In this episode of The Spiritual Life, uh, we're going to try to make you feel as sorry as possible. Saint Teresa of Avila is going to fight with her confessor, and Saint Augustine is going to tell you about the times that God hides from you. This is the episode on penance in the spiritual life. You are listening to The Catholic Wire. Welcome to another episode of The Spiritual Life. In this episode, we're going to discuss uh, what is the sacrament of penance. Now, you've heard a lot of things, I'm sure, before. Uh, you've heard maybe some of the sermons that we have here in the channel that speak about confession or penance, as it should be called. Uh, however, in this episode, we're going to have a different approach. We're going to discuss the sacrament of penance from the point of view of someone that is perhaps not using it so much to confess mortal sins, but rather to confess venial sins, and someone that is trying to get as much graces as possible from the sacrament. Uh, as we've mentioned before, the way in which you receive the sacrament, the dispositions that you have, how well you prepare for it, uh, that is what determines how many graces you're going to receive, or how much, I should say, and, and all the treasures that you get from it. So a lot of the things that we will cover here you've heard before, perhaps I'm sure that there are many that you haven't. And so don't take it for granted. Uh, a lot of these things are never mentioned because they're, they're quite specific and they are aimed at people, you could say at a, at a small demographic, you know, at people that have very particular intentions. So yes, some of the things that we're going to mention for sure you might have never heard before. Now, to cover what is the basics of the sacrament of penance, you know, what is required for it to be valid, you know, what every Catholic should know about it, I'll direct you precisely to that section, to what every Catholic should know, to the episode on, on confession and penance, which, is, as I record right now, is not done yet, but it'll be done in the future. Today, let's cover then the, the, the advanced, you could say, aspects of penance and the things that are aimed at those who aim to be... Uh, more proficient in their spiritual life. So first, let's ask, let's uh, answer this question. When should we go to confession? How often? So to answer the question of how often should we go to confession, um, let's, we have two different, uh, two different options, or rather we, we should say two different scenarios. In the first one, we're talking about people who might have the misfortune of falling into mortal sin. If one has fallen into mortal sin, we should go to confession as soon as possible. I mean to say, don't wait until Sunday. You know, some people say, well, I'll go to confession on Sunday. Well, if you are in mortal sin, you should try to go to confession as soon as possible, meaning on that day or the day after. Make arrangements to try to go during the week, if that is available to you, and try to get on your, on your feet as soon as possible. You know, don't lay down on sin for a long time. 
Now, someone might tell me, well, what if I don't have confession available? What if I'm in a mission or the priest doesn't come here until the weekends? In those cases, what we should do is try to make an act of perfect contrition also as soon as possible. Now, for that, again, we will make a special video in what every Catholic should know, but here, really briefly, I would mention, when I say make an act of perfect contrition, I don't mean to say recite the act of perfect contrition. I mean to say interiorly, as best as you can, have the affections, do the motions of your will, make the resolutions that you would do when you make an act of perfect contrition. To be sorry for your sins, to be sorry for your sins out of love of God, to make the intention of amending your life as best as possible right now, and to go to confession as soon as, you're, uh, as you have confession available. As soon as you fall into mortal sin and you've repented, you have to make an act of perfect contrition that will get you back on your feet as much as you can, and then you go to confession. So that is for the case of those who are in mortal sin. What about those who don't fall into mortal sin or, or you know, might find themselves not having anything in particular to confess, which would be grievous? In those cases, how often should you go to confession? Well, to give you a good reference, the Code of Canon Law states that priests, sisters, religious, you know, people who you can assume rarely fall into mortal sin, the Code of Canon Law says they should go to confession at least every two weeks. And from this, we can gather that for someone that is striving for holiness, the period of once every two weeks is perfect. You know, that is what, what is the ideal. Now, I always suggest to people, try to make, the, make it to confession at the very least once a month. That's a min, the minimum, I would say. The ideal once every two weeks, especially, as I said, if you're striving to improve your spiritual life. Now, having said this, what day would be best? Well, I would say that depends a lot on your parish priest and the situation in your church. In my case, usually in our case here, logistically, it's better to go to confession in a weekday. Because in a weekday, you know, you distribute the load. Sundays usually is for the people that can only make it on Sundays. If you can make it on a weekday, on a Saturday, uh, you know, during the, the weekday masses, that works very well for your priest and it works very well for you as well because you have more time to come up with questions. You have more time to, to get a little bit more uh, more of personal time, you could say, for your particular sins, for your particular problems. So the weekdays, I think, are better when you have that option. Now, when it comes to spiritual direction, as I said in that episode, spiritual direction is better done in, in confession, and that should be at least also once a month. And for that, for spiritual direction, we should make an appointment. It's better to ask the priest when is a good day, when is a good time for this, and that's when we should do it. Now, before we continue with the rest of our episode, it's time to go to our quote from the saints. Today we have a great, great quote from St. Augustine. He is the saint of the confessions, you know, the one that wrote the book and the one that uh, has the greatest lessons on that topic, I would say. He says, In failing to confess, Lord... I would only hide you from myself, not myself from you. How often does it happen that, you know, we feel afraid or embarrassed about going to confession and we feel, or we don't, we don't feel, but 
it's ridiculous because it's like it's as if we were thinking that by not confessing I am hiding from God. Well, that's not the case. Obviously, we cannot hide from God. It's rather we're hiding God from ourselves. We are putting an obstacle in an, our union with God. Oftentimes it happens that we feel embarrassed about going to confession to the priest. And it might happen because we think that the priest knows me and we have a personal relation with the priest. You know, maybe we've gone, uh, we've invited him to dinner in my house, whatever. And this is ridiculous. It's absurd. Most of the times the priest doesn't even know who you are. Even in the case that the priest knew who you were, you have to remember the seal that comes with the sacrament of confession, that the priest not only is not allowed to reveal anything from it, he's not allowed even to think or to make conclusions out of it. You know, if, if, if I were to confess to the priest, for example, that I don't like him and that he makes me angry. Well, outside of the confessional, the priest is not going to use that thought for anything. It doesn't exist in his mind. He's not going to be making conclusions or thinking, making decisions based on what you said. None of that happens. When I go to confession, I must make an act of faith and understand I'm confessing to God, to God alone, and the priest is a mere nothing. The priest is just a telephone between me and God. So it's very important to not let this feeling stop us, not only from not going to confession, but we should not let this, this false notion of shame to prevent us from confessing as openly as possible, as humbly as possible, as specifically as needed. Remember what St. Augustine said, in failing to confess, and in failing to confess sincerely, openly, I'm not hiding myself from God. I'm hiding God from myself. Now, the next topic to cover would be how to go to confession in this context of uh, the spiritual life, of something more resembling the spiritual direction. I emphasize that I'm saying in this context. Don't look at this episode and think to yourself, this is how I have to go to confession every single time with my parish priest on Sunday confessions. No, this episode is not for that. For that, there's going to be another episode. This episode is, how do I go to confession when I'm trying to get spiritual direction, when I'm trying to go to confession at a specific time with a specific priest in order to improve my spiritual life? It's a very, very specific situation. Not every confession. I want to make that very clear. And obviously, you have to be in agreement with your priest. Your priest has to be knowing that this is how you're coming to confession in order to improve your spiritual life to do a spiritual direction. So what are the things that you have to be aware of before you go to confession? I assume, obviously, that you're, you were considering here that you have done your examination of conscience. Before you're going there, you take your examination of conscience and you're thinking of your sins. What sins have you committed since your last confession? Now, there are four things that I want to mention right now that when you go to your, your spiritual director, you want to be aware of. The first one is, what is my predominant fault or vice? Okay, since my last confession, what is the thing that I need to fight against the most? Pride, you know, impurity, uh, distraction in prayers, laziness, who knows what. What is my predominant fault or vice? The second thing that you need to be aware of. What is the virtue that you need the most? What is the virtue that you are currently in the process of acquiring? In your spiritual life, you have to have some goal, and th that goal is usually a virtue. 
So say, my predominant vice is pride. Okay, I'm particularly pride with my wife or my husband or my boss. The virtue that I'm striving to acquire is perhaps obedience or perhaps humility towards my husband or towards my boss. Okay, the third thing that we need to know. What improvement has there been since your last confession? Or what deterioration has there been since my last confession? For example, my last confession, I, I went and I confessed maybe that I was proud and I got into a fight with my husband or my wife three times. Well, in this confession, the next one, what improvement has there been? Well, this time there were two times where I actually held back. Or actually it got worse. I actually stopped paying attention. I didn't think of my resolutions and I did worse. Has it been better or worse? That's the third thing that you need to know. And the fourth one that you need to be aware of. What practices have I been unfaithful in fulfilling or faithful in, in doing? For example, I do my examination of conscience every day. I do my meditation. I do my penance, whatever. When you go to confession, you want to confess your sins, but you also want to give the state of your, of your soul to this priest. Again, this is in spiritual direction. And so you say, well, Father, uh, there are these practices that I haven't been done, been doing. I missed my examination of conscience. How many times? Three times. Or I missed uh, my rosary two times in this month. You know, things like that. This is useful for your spiritual director to know where you are. And you shouldn't expect him to ask you those questions. You should come up and say those things succinctly, you know, summarily, in a very short, quick manner to give him the state of your soul. That is the goal. Now, in this context where we are going to the sacrament of penance, not so much because it's necessary for our salvation, you know, not so much in the case that we have mortal sins, but rather we're going to the sacrament of penance to receive extra graces, to receive more strength, to increase our union with God. In this context, I say uh, we're going to have two goals, you know, in order to get as much things as we can, as, much, as many things as we can, because the sacrament of confession, of penance, gives us certain kind of graces. We're going to have two goals. The first one is going to be to receive as much pardon for the pains, for the punishment that is due to us in purgatory. My sins that I've committed, I, ha I have something that I have to pay for them in purgatory. There is a certain time, a certain punishment that I have to endure. By going to the sacrament of confession, I expect to receive as much a pardon of, those, of that time, of that punishment as I can. The second is to receive as many graces as I can to overcome my predominant fault and to acquire the virtue that I'm trying to acquire. So these are the two things that I'm aiming for, my two goals in the sacrament of penance. And since we have these two goals, we're going to have to prepare ourselves also in two things. The first one is going to be sorrow for our sins, what we call contrition and particularly sorrow for my predominant fault. That will help me to get as much pardon as I can. Now here, let's explain this a little bit. If you have great sorrow for your sins, especially motivated by the love of God, then you obtain more pardon for them in this life and in the next, meaning the time, the punishment that you are doing in purgatory is going to be reduced. This is the reason why it is so advantageous when you come to confession in this context to confess at the end a particular sin for, the, for which you are truly sorry for. 
Say I go to confession and I'm confessing all my venial sins and maybe perhaps, you know, a fault of obedience and a fault that I ate too much and maybe I was lazy here and there. There are no mortal sins. And because there are no mortal sins, it is very easy for me to not be as sorrowful as I should from my venial sins. That's why at the end I say, well, and I would like to confess a sin of my previous life. When I did this and this and that, something perhaps very shameful, something that really hurts me. That way I try to elicit as much sorrow as I can for that, and I get more pardon. Let me stop in here for a moment in this a little bit, because this is one of those things that you could say it's almost an art. It is important to understand here that if you want to obtain as much fruit as you can from this sacrament, the preparation that you have to do is much more than what you're used to. You know, right now, perhaps you're used to just making your examination of conscience and just jumping in there in the confessional. Well, here, I'm giving you the ideal of how you can get as much as you can. Well, your, your preparation, for example, is going to be to make an act of contrition if before confession as best as possible. That morning that you're, you know that you're going to go to confession, to try to meditate on your sins, Try to meditate on how bad your sins were, how you deserved hell for them, the pain that they caused to our Lord in His passion, in the cross, with the crown of thorns, with the scourging, the pain that it caused to our Blessed Mother, the tears that perhaps our Blessed Mother shed for your sins. The point of this whole meditation in the morning is going to be to puncture your heart, metaphorically, in order to get those affections that you need to have for that confession to be as fruitful as possible. You know that the term contrition that we use for the sorrow for our sins actually means crushing. It's what you do with a rock. You crush it. It's contrition means that. And so this term refers to the fact of having our hearts crushed with sorrow. Of course, it's going to be hard to get that kind of pain just thinking of your venial sins. And that's why it's important or it's good to think of that more grievous sin in your meditation, in your preparation, and when you go to confession. And when you go to confession, if you can get that big sorrow for your sins, it will be very, very profitable for you to receive more pardon of the pains that we have in purgatory. So that was the first disposition that we need to have. Our other goal was to obtain from, from the sacrament of confession as many graces as we can, actual graces, to overcome our sins and to acquire the virtue that we are seeking. For this, we need to have another sort of preparation, which is this, to have an important, uh, a strong resolution and purpose of amendment, of changing our lives. Here I'm going to give you a tip. Don't think, uh, let me step back a little bit before I give you the tip. Don't think that everything in confession is sadness. Uh, that you, you know, don't think that contrition should be made with despair and hating yourself and saying, "Oh, I'm a terrible person," and you know, just depressing. No. At the same time that this sorrow, this good sorrow, is sinking into your heart, you know, the sorrow for your sins, it should be coming up also, the hope of forgiveness, the remembrance that God loves you. The hope of amending your life, the, the, actually the conviction and decision 
of amending your life. At the same time that the sorrow for sins is coming into your heart and it's crushing that stone of your heart, from that stone comes out this beautiful diamond, which is the resolution of a better life. And this is what leads us to our second point. During this time where you're preparing for confession, your meditation, your examination of conscience, you might and you should actually think of this. What can I do to change my life? What can I do to improve my life? Before you go to confession, you should have that already in your mind. What am I doing to make this better? What am I doing to get rid of this sin? What am I going to do? What is my purpose of amendment? And try to make it also as intense as possible. Because that is going to prepare your soul to receive the actual graces. When we're talking about the resolutions that we can make, uh, there are these three points that I want to make. First, in some cases, you might clearly see what the actions that you have to do to improve your situation. You know, say, uh, I like to eat chips a lot. Well, very easy. Don't get chips in your house anymore, right? Don't buy any more, you know, lace or whatever. Or let's say, for example, that I always get distracted by scrolling at YouTube, you know, or this or that, you know, social media. Well, the solution is very simple. Get rid of that social media or take it off this device and that device and put it somewhere where it's going to take you effort and, and some determination to go see it, where you'll be forced to make a conscious decision of how long you're going to see it and why you need to see it. Or say, for example, um, uh, I use pants or I use clothing that is immodest and I have this problem. I've had this problem for a long time. The solution is very simple. Open that, that closet over there and just, just, you know, get rid of all the clothes burning. Or say that, you know, well, I've watched TV and sometimes I've seen things that I shouldn't have seen. I have the TV in my room. The solution is very simple. Take the TV out of your room. So sometimes you'll see clearly something that you can do that solves the problem. And you have to do that courageously. Don't hesitate. It's, don't, don't think to yourself, oh, that's too extreme. No, if it's not necessary, if it's not your duty, it's not too extreme. Just get rid of it or, or you know, make whatever decision you need to make prudently. And you can always ask the priest if you have a question. That's when we are clear about what we need to do. In other cases, uh, the decision might not be so clear as to that. Maybe you think, well, there's nothing I can do specifically that would get rid of this problem. So maybe in these cases, the resolution can be to be more faithful to some spiritual practice that perhaps you have been neglecting. You know, perhaps I have been uh, too dissipated by looking at things and I realize, well, I haven't done my spiritual reading. Or perhaps I realize that, um, you know, I have been falling into sins of anger or, you know, falling into sins of, uh, you know, being jealous or something like that. And then, then I realize, well, I haven't done my meditation or I'm doing it very la in a very lax way, or perhaps I haven't gone to confession as often as I should, or my examination of conscience. A lot of times, your defects and even your sins are due to some spiritual practice that you're lacking. And so that would be the second case. And finally, there might be the case where you look and there's nothing you can do to remove the sin, and you also look at your spiritual practices, and it seems like you're fulfilling all of them, at least the ones that you know, what can we do here? What can our resolution be? In these cases, our resolution should be that these practices are done a lot more carefully, a lot more intensely, 
yes, perhaps I'm doing my meditation, but also perhaps I'm distracted 27 minutes of the 30. Or yes, perhaps I'm doing my spiritual reading, but my spiritual reading is a novel that has no value to me and never gives me any spiritual food for thought. Or yes, maybe I'm going to Mass and Communion, but I don't prepare myself for Communion and I do it negligently or things like that. So look into your spiritual practices, look into what you're doing and see, I'm missing here. I'm, I'm not doing this as intensely, as devoutly as possible. And that can be your resolution. So to conclude the how of how we should prepare to, for confession. There are two dispositions particularly that you want to cultivate and, and create, you could say, in you as best as possible. The sorrow for your sins, as intensely as possible, out of love for God, and the purpose of amendment, the resolutions that you have for it. Now let us go to our story of the saints. So that I thought it might, it might be good to give you uh, a couple stories. One of them, I, I'm pretty sure is from St. John Bosco, but I'm, I'm actually not sure. Uh, the first one I want to tell you is this one from St. John Bosco. I believe it was a dream that he had. There was also a saint, a lady saint that had this vision, but I can't remember who it was either. And I don't have the time right now to look it up. St. John Bosco saw in a vision the children going to confession and some of them would not say everything. Some of them would be silent about some sins. And he would say that uh, he saw a little devil figure that had his tail around the throat of the child. And so when the child was going to go to confession, he would squeeze the throat, signifying that it was the devil prompting that child not to say everything in the sacrament of confession, thereby making a sacrilegious confession. On the other hand, there was uh, the boys that were, went to confession in a proper way, and I might be mixing two stories here, but, you know, both of them come from the saints. And the, the children that would go to confession would come out and the devil figure would be gone and they would be as beautiful as angels. That is a perfect representation of what happens in the sacrament. Now, something that is really interesting, and this one, I know the source, I know where it is, is St. Teresa of Avila. St. Teresa, I always go to her, she used to go to confession a lot. And there was a period in her life when she was very, very advanced in sanctity, actually. And she was working with a particular priest, a Dominican priest. And she would want to go to confession every single day. And the priest actually got upset, as I would, as anybody would. And, and, and he said to her, Mother, leave me alone. I will not hear your confession. You don't have any sins. I would have to go back to the sins of your childhood, some lie that you said when you were a child, to give you a solution. Now away with you. And St. Teresa would answer to him very seriously. She, they say she, she would get very stern and go close to the priest and say, Father, these are not your treasures. They are not yours. They are God's. So don't be cheap with someone else's treasures. Now hear my confession. Now, as I say this story, I fear that you might go to your priest and ask him to go to confession every day. Don't do that. Uh, because priests are very busy. And you don't, perhaps you don't need that either. St. Teresa of Avila maybe needed it, because you have to remember, at this stage in her life, she was very advanced 
in the union with God. And what that meant is that God had very high expectations of her. In, in us, you know, little uh, poor creatures here that are still far away from sanctity, to be distracted in prayer, it's sort of normal. It's not a good thing, but it's not such a grievous sin either because, well, we're not that favored yet in the life of grace. But St. Teresa had had apparitions of our Lord. She had had many communications with her, with him, with our Blessed Mother and the saints. She saw our Lord frequently. She spoke to him. She had received many mystical graces, union with God, the matrimony with God, the, the, what they call the spiritual matrimony. So in the case of St. Teresa, a small infidelity was a huge deal, perhaps, in the eyes of God. And so she might have needed confession daily. Not, not that those were mortal sins, but that in her relationship with God, that was a big deal, and she knew it, perhaps. And we wouldn't be able to grasp that ourselves. The point to be made here is that she understands one point about confession that is very important. That you get graces from it. It's not just to remove your sins. You get treasures, as she said it. You get treasures from it that move you and strengthen you in your spiritual life. That is our story of the saints for today. And now we have to go and I want to show you what this kind of confession that I'm talking about would look like. In order to understand all these things better, let's put ourselves in that situation and say, okay, this is me, I'm going to confession today. How does it look like? What do I do? Well, I wake up in the morning and I go to do my meditation. And I try not to get distracted. I try not to go and look into the news or anything like that. I, all my mind is set on, I'm going to try to make as much I get as much fruit as I can from this. So I'll go meditate in my room, in a place where I'm perhaps by myself. And actually for this meditation, it's much better to be by oneself. You'll see why. And I close my eyes in the darkness and I perhaps put myself in front of our Lord crucified. And I imagine the cross and the blood and not a lot of details. I don't need to get distracted with details. But as I see my Lord on the cross, I start thinking... In my sinfulness, I am guilty. It was me that did this. It was my sins. And maybe I think in particular, I remember that sin that I committed when I was 18 or 20 or who knows. Uh, I don't have to go into the details of the sin either. I'm not going to get distracted or sidetracked with the details or memories. I just remember that I sinned gravely. The decision that I made, how blind I was. And I'll try to move in my mind that, that truth. I'll try to put into my mind the truth of how evil my sin was. And I'll try to move my will, my emotions, and my decisions to understand the malice of those things. And perhaps I can think, I see my Lord and I think to myself, maybe during his crucifixion he saw that sin. Maybe that's the reason why he had to suffer more in his hands or in his feet. Or with the crown of thorns, maybe this, this thorn over here was precisely for that sin that I've committed. And then perhaps I think of my Lord on the cross, and what if he saw my sin from there? What if he was on the cross suffering for me, and at that moment he was able to know and understand the sin that I was going to commit 2,000 years after? What frustration he must have felt to see 
that in spite of all his efforts, I still sinned. What disgust he must have felt to see this horrible sin that I've committed. And that maybe as he was nailed on the cross. Then I can think perhaps of the heart of our Blessed Mother, that she was there standing by the cross, praying in front of her son, praying for the conversion of sinners. And maybe she said to our Lord, ah, please forgive this person, you know, forgive Father Cepeda for all the sins that he committed. And then after obtaining that forgiveness, perhaps she looks back and she sees me sinning again. What a broken heart she must have had. How terrible it must have been for her to look at that Judas, perhaps, you know, and myself, the sinner, betraying our Lord. And I caused that pain. I have to remember, this is not an imagination. I caused that pain. And I'm trying again, remember, I'm trying to get that contrition in my heart. And so I can think to myself, perhaps, when I sinned, I told Christ, get out of my soul. I wish to bring the devil in, get out of my soul, because I want to do this that you don't like, that you command me against. I prefer my own desires. I prefer my own revenge. I prefer this pleasure. I prefer this, this criticism that I want to make of my neighbor to you. And so many other things like that you could think of during that meditation. Don't worry if you don't cry, it's not about crying. The only goal here is that when you get up from meditation, you realize it was very evil what I did. But as you're getting this sorrow and your soul is being brought down, we have to end our meditation by lifting our soul up with the confidence, with the hope of getting better. And so at the end of my meditation, I might say, go to our Blessed Mother and beg her, tell her I'm so sorry for my sin. I really want to do better. I want to change. What can I do to repair this? And go to our Lord on the cross and maybe embrace the cross and tell our Lord, Lord, what can I do to repair my sins from the past? What can I do to repair my sins from when I was a young person? And that I'll do it. I'll be, I'll be willing to do whatever it takes. I'll be willing to get rid of whatever. I'll be willing to do this resolution or that resolution. What, what do you want me to do? And maybe think at that moment, think what is the main fault right now that I need to correct? And what is the resolution that I need to do? And then once I have it, I'll keep it. And in these dispositions, I'll try to remain until I'm able to go to confession, as much as I can. Once I'm in confession, I will kneel in confession. I will come to confession, not as, you know, so-and-so, the parishioner that is, you know, a very good parishioner and goes to Mass every day, or the priest, you know, that says Mass every day, or the sister that, you know, has been a sister for so long. No, I'll go to confession as a prisoner. I'll, be the, I'll go to confession as a guilty person, as someone condemned to death, as the murderer, as if he was begging for pardon to the very mother of the son or to the father of the son. And you just kneel in there ashamed, ashamed of your sins, guilty, accused. And with these feelings, you begin, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been so long since my last confession. Don't do any theater. Don't do any drama. There's no need to show it exteriorly. The important thing is that you have it interiorly. And you say your sins as if you were accusing someone else in a trial. I did this and I did that and I had the, the intention not to do it and I still did it and I received an inspiration and I still did it 
And and also this, I've done this before for a long time. And I, I haven't done, and try to make that resolution, that those, that contrition as, as as intense as possible. And that's how you should accuse yourself. Once we have accused ourselves of our sins, you know, if this is our spiritual director, someone that perhaps gives us spiritual advice, we can perhaps say, well, Father, and I've also been remiss in this spiritual practice. I haven't done my examen of conscience or I've done it carelessly, uh, but I intend to do this better in the future. And if time is not pressing, maybe it's good to also keep track of the last resolution I've made or the, or the last advice that I received and say, well, from my previous confession, I, I, I was told to do this. I haven't done it. Or, you know, I had this resolution, I kept it, or I haven't kept it, I kept it and it didn't give me any results, whatever it might be. And at the end of it all, say, I'm sorry for these sins and all the sins of my past life, but especially for this time when I was young and I did this and I did that, and, and here you renew that sorrow that I was talking about. I want to be very clear, that is not necessary for confession. As long as you have sorrow for your sins, that's all good. I emphasize again, the reason why we say a, a special sin, a particular sin, is to get more graces, as many graces as possible. We don't have to go into great detail, but we can be a little bit specific about what kind of sin and the number of sins. Now, after this, you might say, uh, when am I going to spiritual direction? If this was arranged with the priest in advance, you know, okay, now, Father, could I have spiritual direction? And you, you comment whatever else you need to comment, or the priest will just go into that. Now, let's go into the part where the priest gives you the advice. When the priest is telling you, you know, this counsel, and maybe you should do this, and you could do that, try to receive that with utmost humility. Think with great faith that God's going to give me there some important thing that I need, or some important practice that I'm missing, or something. At times, maybe you find that you hear the priest talking and you say to yourself, well, that doesn't apply to me, or it seems like it's not terribly helpful, but still think humbly that such thing is what you needed the most at that time. And maybe in, in all the words that the priest says, there's something that clicks and you go like, whoa, that's interesting. I, that, I need to do that. If you're humble, when you receive that advice, you will find something that was very useful. Let's say the worst case scenario, that you go and the priest gives you advice and you go like, I couldn't get anything from it. You know, all that stuff I already knew or whatever. Well, maybe what you needed was a little lesson of humility where God said, I'm not going to tell you anything because you don't deserve it. The point is, if you go with humility, you will always get something good out of it. So that is how your confession should look like. What about the end? Uh, I always want to emphasize this part. There needs to be joy and cheerfulness and happiness in confession, and that's where it, where it comes. At the end of your confession, you come out of the confessional, you go and you pray your penance as soon as possible. But just as important as it was before to make an act of contrition, to be sorrowful for your sins, all that stuff, now it's important to make an act of faith, to make an act of hope, to exercise cheerfulness, happiness, trust in God as you live in the confessional. I say to make an act of faith. Remember the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. When you leave the confessional, you have to make an act of faith and say to yourself, truly my sins are forgiven. I have no question about that. I did my best to go to confession. I can say with all truthfulness that all my sins are forgiven. I must believe that. 
And not only that, I have an act of, I make an act of hope and I say from now on it's going to be better. From now on, I'm going to receive great graces. I know that from now on my life can change. You have to believe that. You have to have that hope. That is part of, of what gives you those graces in confession. And sometimes you might leave the confessional and, and cheerfulness is not there naturally. And then you have to say, I have to be happy right now. Either there is a real reason for me to be happy. My sins are forgiven. I'm free. I'm clear. You know, perhaps much of my debt in purgatory has been gone. Perhaps uh, I'm given this brand new opportunity where I can start striving again for holiness, for sanctity. So all that should make me happy. And even the faults that I commit afterwards, I'm saying, you know, venial faults, should not deprive me of this joy. I should not be terribly obsessed about it. But I should say, well, okay, I fell again into this venial fault again. Get back on my feet as soon as possible. Try to do something to restart my race towards heaven. I can have this venial sin forgiven by taking holy water, by striking my breast, by making an act of contrition, and back on my feet, and back on, on starting you know, my spiritual life and my life towards sanctity. But after confession, you have to be that, that cheerful, happy Christian that knows that his sins have been forgiven. This is just as important, I would say, than, well, it's not really just as important as contrition, because contrition affects the, the validity of the sacrament. But it is very important to get fruit from confession, and especially so that our resolutions and our purpose of amendment are effective. Now let's go to our quote from Scripture. Today, the quote from Scripture is taken from the Psalm 51, which is the Psalm uh, par excellence of uh, penance, and is verse 4. This psalm, every single verse of the psalm would be good for com commentary here, but verse 4 says, To thee only have I sinned, and I have done evil before thee, that thou mayest be justified in thy words, and mayest overcome when you judge, when thou judged. This, um, let's go to the first part of this psalm, of this verse. I have sinned only, it means to say, against thee only have I sinned, and I have done evil before thee. This concept is very, very important when we try to understand the malice of our sins. It's not so much that I've sinned against myself, it's not so much that I've sinned against my neighbor. Those are bad things, but it's not the worst part of it all. The worst part of it all is that I sinned against God, that I went against God directly. To sin it means, in our context here, to do evil against someone, to injure someone, to try to kill, to try to harm someone. And so it's like if we were saying, the evils that I've committed is not against him or me, I went against you, directly against you. The evil that I committed wasn't hidden. It was right before you, right in your eyes. And that brings the whole malice of sin. That's why I'm sorry. And then in the next part, the next part is actually one of the hardest translations, I think, that there have been in, in Hebrew. There are many different ways to translate it. But the concept, I guess, could be, could be said like this. It is as if we, we are telling God, you're right and I'm wrong. You overcome in your judgment, your judgment is right, is fair, and I am truly guilty 
I am truly evil. I don't try to justify myself. I don't try to make myself look better. I don't try to hide my sins or to, you know, put some makeup on them so that they don't look as bad. No, no, no. You're right. I'm guilty. You're good. You're the judge. I'm the sinner. I'm the, I'm the, the criminal. So you're justified in your words. You're justified in your judgments. You're justified in that you are the only good one and everyone else has sinned. And the concept of this, even though it sounds kind of negative, but it's actually very sweet, is the concept of loving God to the extent of loving him, even if that means that we are not lovable ourselves. You know, to say, I love you, God, so much that at this point I ask for forgiveness for my sins. But at this point, even if you were to condemn me, I still want to love you. Even if you were to tell me that I'm guilty and that, that there's no way to forgive me anymore, I would still say I still love you. And that's all I care about right now at this point, that you are good, that you have your glory. And even if that was at the expense of my life, all I care about is your glory, your goodness. And that it's a beautiful concept that we come to love God and precisely in that love of God, the forgiveness of our sins also come. Okay, uh, that will be our quote from scripture. Let's end the episode today, my dear friends. Uh, we're just telling you, well, this is all I can say about this sacrament. There's much more that could be said if we study it theologically and the different parts of it. But I would like you to complement this episode again with that other episode of catechism that we will have in what every Catholic should know. I should end this episode, however, with a quick note. Don't feel bad if you can't always prepare with such time and care for, for the sacrament of confession. Sometimes you don't have the time to do all these things or the brains to do all these things. And that's okay. Still go to confession. Let the priest be the judge of how well disposed you are or how badly disposed you are. Um, try to do your best. But if, if don't get scrupulous about it and don't think to yourself, well, you know, I wasn't able to do all these things, so I better not go. No. Try to go still, you'll have another chance to go and prepare yourself better. At least now, and this is the purpose of this episode, at least now you know what to aim for. You know what the ideal is. And so, if you find yourself with little time, try to supply for it as much as you can, and maybe you don't have the time to do this whole meditation, but at least in the little min you know, five, ten minutes that you have before confession, try to reach all these points that we covered to end the point of being as sorry as you can for your sins, for the love of God, and the point of doing your resolutions, and the things that I mentioned that you have to be aware of, especially when it comes to spiritual direction. If you take these things and you try to practice them as best as possible, when you're approaching the tribunal of mercy, you will find yourself getting a lot more graces from it. That is our episode of the Sacrament of Penance for today, and I am your host, Father Carlos Cepeda, in the spiritual life for the Catholic Wire. God bless you, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Wire. If you have found the show helpful, please say a prayer for all our collaborators. Don't forget to subscribe to our channels and share with your friends. For questions and comments, you may contact us at thecatholicwire.org.